Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. We are so honored that you would take a few minutes and you would join us, even if it's through an app on your phone right now. We're just honored that you would spend the time with us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time with us in person, we would love to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We would love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to serve you. So make plans to join us. But right now, I hope that you enjoy this message and we hope that it encourages you and it blesses you today. Last week, we looked at this verse. It's in Acts chapter 1, starting in, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1. And it says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Like when you became a Christian, when you got saved is what we like to say here in the South. Did you like receive the Holy Spirit? And they answered this. They said, no. We didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. We don't even know what you're talking about. And that's still a lot of us today, is we don't know a lot about the Holy Spirit. We don't know a lot about what it means what the Holy Spirit actually is. And so last week we did a whole uh, message about the name Holy Spirit and how really spirit's not a great word that, that, that was even used in the original languages of the Bible. It's more of like a blast of air or breath or wind. That was what the Holy Spirit meant. They just used the English translators didn't want to call part of God the holy wind, right? Or because uh, if, if the holy wind gets released, we've got to crack, crack a window on a car. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, that's just not what we do. We, we, they, they wanted to call it the Holy Spirit. And so that's not a good description of the name. In fact, it kind of meant something like this. Boom. All right. So I'm going to come back. I'm going to get you right here. Listen, yo, you feel this right here. You feel that? Isn't that crazy? This is what the Holy Spirit's like. Here, we got some guests in the house and I'm shooting them with something. But you feel that right there? This is what the Holy Spirit's like. Oh, come on. If you got a toupee, just give me a little wave, and I don't want to out you in front of everybody. All right, look, you feel that? You feel that back there? Look. Did that hit you? That got you in the end right here. You feel that back there? This is what the Holy Spirit's like. It's like a little blast of air. It's, a, it's like a little boom. That's what the Holy that's the, the picture that the Bible paints when it talks about the Holy Spirit. It's really the holy breath of God. It's the thing that brings life. It's the thing that moves. It's the thing that can take you from here to there in the spirit. That's what the it, it has action. And it really means a breath of fresh air. And so I want to encourage you, if you missed last week, go back, listen to that message, and uh, it'll help you get a little context because I believe there's people that need a breath of fresh air. They need, they need something from the Spirit to come and refresh them. And that's what the Holy Spirit has come to do. Well, today, I want to talk to you, to you about a topic um, uh, that's had us all kind of running around at some point, and that's the idea of this word, Pentecostal. Y'all say Pentecostal. Some of you are nervous right now. He's thinking, what are we going to talk about? Because I hear Pentecostal churches and they are, they're crazy. They're weird, right? Now listen, I want to demystify all this stuff. All right? I want to let you know where all this stuff comes from. Because the packaging that we've experienced the Holy Spirit in might not be right. And it might be the reason why you have certain views about the Holy Spirit is because the packaging it came in 
was all wrong. And so we want to kind of teach you what this means. So we're going to talk about Pentecostal. All right, we're going to talk about that because uh, you might have some images pop in your head as you hear that word. Um, but I want to teach you what it is. And the first thing that we have to, to realize is that Pentecost is not just a word. It's actually a day. All right, so the, the day of Pentecost, it's a day. It's not a word. It's not a genre of church. It's a day. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost came. So are you ready for a little hi uh, history lesson? Are we ready for a little history lesson? Say, I'm ready. ready. Are you ready? All right, here we go. We're going to give you a little history lesson. All right, so... Jesus came and he lived 33 years, all right? He died on the cross, he came back to life, um, and he spends about 40 days after he comes back to life in his glorified body. He spends 40 days, and, uh, and his glorified body is crazy. It's not like our bodies, it was different because it had defeated death, it had come back to life. It was really crazy. He was literally like popping through walls. He was just appearing in, in locked rooms that didn't have windows and they had doors that were shut, and like he was messing with people. And he was doing all this stuff, and he leaves some final instructions. He leaves some final instructions. He goes up to a hillside, and he says, hey, go spread the gospel, go baptize some people, and uh, peace, I'm out. And so he rises up into the clouds, and he leaves, and he never comes back until the second coming of Jesus. He's, he's been in heaven. He's been interceding for us. And so then there's a 10-day period, all right? So he spends 40 days after he's risen from the dead. On day 40, he goes back up into heaven, and then there's 10 days where the disciples are like, what is going on? And then the day of Pentecost comes 10 days later, okay? And that's when the Holy Spirit is poured out, and it's met with a lot of fanfare, and and the church began with a bang right there, 10 days after Jesus ascended back up into heaven. And so this whole discussion of this begins with the day of Pentecost. I don't know. Just turn the lights on. Come on. I don't know what's happening back there today. Just unplug the... Um, unplug that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Here we go. Okay, so uh, the devil is in those lights today. I'll tell you right now, he's about to get angry, all right? Um, all right, so uh, it begins with the day of Pentecost. This whole talk begins with the day of Pentecost. And so, uh, in fact, it's not just any old day. It's actually a holiday, a Jewish holiday. All right, Pentecost is a Jewish holiday. I don't know if you guys know that. There's probably not any Jewish people here, and if you are, uh, you could probably teach us maybe better than I can, but uh, the, the, the Jewish people have seven holidays, all right, in total. They celebrate. Um, but they have three major holidays, and this is part of one of the three major holidays. And so we don't know this because most of us in here are not Jewish, but uh, they have three major holidays. Imagine uh, like 4th of July, Thanksgiving and Christmas for us. Like that's kind of their idea of some holidays. These are major holidays for our, our nation, uh, major holidays that we celebrate together. They're federal holidays. We get off school, we get off work for these things and we do those. Uh, they're, they're, so they have these three major holidays. And so uh, this is something that would have been celebrated. The day of Pentecost was something that would have been celebrated. Um, and these three holidays that I want to talk to us about today, uh, they had major feasts around them uh, that the Jewish people celebrated, and they would throw it down on these three holidays. These were the biggest holidays. They were so fun. And these three different holidays, they have different characteristics, and they celebrate three different things. And each one, 
has characteristics that Jesus has fulfilled. All right. I want us to understand this. And so Jesus decided to do these things whenever he died, he came back to life. The day of Pentecost came like these were used very specifically by Jesus because they, uh, they came with some characteristics that he was coming to fulfill. So he was primarily dealing with Jewish people at the time, so he did something that they could understand. Now, we don't understand these holidays because we're not Jewish, so I want to help you understand a little bit how Jesus came and he did some stuff on some very specific days in the Bible to teach us some characteristics about himself. Does that make sense? All right, we're going to dive in. I promise to not get too deep on you today. So um, we don't really understand this. But I'm going to help you understand it because we're not Jewish. I want to help you. All right. So um, here's what it says in Matthew chapter five. This is what Jesus came to do. He says, don't think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I didn't do that. I actually came to, what's that word? Fulfill them. I came to fulfill the law uh, uh, that was given to them. So the law was the first five books in your Bible. All right, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those, that's the law. Those are the law books. And so if you grew up Jewish, and you grew up Jewish uh, back in the day of Jesus, like you had basically those things memorized, like the whole books, and you knew the laws. You knew all the rules. You knew why they were there. You knew how earth was created. You knew about Moses. You knew about Abraham. And you knew these were very, very important things because your whole faith centered around these things. And so the first five books of your Old Testament are the law that, that we're talking about right here. All right. And, uh, and then the prophets kind of after that make up really most of the, or really the rest of the Old Testament. But Jesus came to fulfill, he uses this word, he came to fulfill the law. So we don't necessarily do the practices of the Old Testament because if that were the case, most of us would have had to gotten stoned by now because they had some crazy rules. If you ate bacon, I mean, you're going to die, right? And, uh, and so I like bacon. Thank the Lord for Jesus. And, uh, and so we don't, do the practice of the Old Testament, but we still embrace the principles of the Old Testament. All right. So we don't do the practices. That's why we can have things like tattoos and we don't have to cover our heads when we enter in the church and we, like everything changed with Jesus. We don't do the practices, but we still embrace the principles. So really you can see Jesus, he takes this and he fulfills the Old Testament law. And so here's what I want you to do today. All right. I want you to see Jesus's plan in your life because of the fulfillment that he had in these three major holidays. Does that make sense? God has a plan for you. And we can see that plan if we look at these three holidays. So here's the first thing we're going to look at. We're going to look at the Passover. All right. Look at the Passover. There's a blank here. If you have OCD, it's coming. All right. I just want to let you know the blank will be filled by the end of this little segment. All right. So you can rest easy. You can listen to what I'm saying. Leave that up there for me uh, if you can, Shelby. All right. So um, I, I, I want you to understand this. I want you to take this. So um, m some of you might know what Passover is. Some of you might not know what Passover is. Here's what I want to. Here's I just want to tell you what it is anyway. All right. So the Hebrew nation, the Jewish nation, the Jewish Jewish people, they actually fled down to Egypt years, thousands of years ago. And because of a famine, they had a famine where they lived and they didn't have any food. Well, Egypt had all this food. And so they actually left their land and they ended up in Egypt so that they could get food. And they got stuck there for 400 years. 
years. In fact, uh, Pharaoh enslaved them all, and that could be how we actually got the pyramids. They could have built that stuff. We don't really know that, but that's speculation. Uh, it could have done that and the other structures around there. But God obviously didn't want them to be slaves, right? He, he, he wanted more for his people. He didn't want them to be slaves. And so what did he do? He sent a redeemer to come and save them. So they were in slavery. He sends a redeemer to come and go, hey, I need you to get my people out of slavery because I have something big in store for them for the rest of their life. And so he sent Moses. Y'all ever heard of Moses before, right? He sends Moses. Moses goes and he confronts Pharaoh. And he says, let my people go. You know, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, uh-uh, oh, y'all know that? <laughs> let my people go. <laughs> y'all got to do a little better than that. <gasps> Pharaoh, Pharaoh, come on. Oh, baby, let my people go. There we go. It's a little better. So that's what, that's what Moses did. He made up that song. That's where we get the song. And so we, we get the song, and Pharaoh's like, I am not letting these people go. These are free labor, right? Like, it doesn't cost me much to use these people to do these amazing things. And so what God does is God sends 10 plagues to try to convince Pharaoh, you need to let these things go. And they were terrible. But the last one was the worst. The last plague was that the firstborn male in all the families of Egypt were going to die. And so, but God gave a way out for his people. He said, hey, what you need to do is you need to take a lamb and I want you to sacrifice it. I want you to eat the meat from it. And then what I want you to do is I want you to paint blood on your doorpost, on the top and on the sides. And when uh, the angel comes and this happens, this final plague happens, whenever I see the blood on the doorpost, I'm not going to do anything to your family. I'm going to pass over you and I'm going to move on to the next, right? And so when we see the blood, it's actually a sign that God is passed over the people of, e or of Israel while they were enslaved in Egypt, and he spared their firstborn sons. And so he would pass over the house. And so now after they get out of Egypt, God tells them, hey, you need to celebrate this holiday. This is a big deal. And so they have an annual celebration where they celebrate Passover. And so here is what they would celebrate. I want you to see this. Uh, the Passover lamb, this is the instruction that God would give them. The Passover lamb would be sacrificed at 9 a.m. And so this, they, they followed this to the T. If, you, if you've ever celebrated um, a Passover with a Jewish family or your family did it growing up, you would sacrifice uh, uh, the lamb at 9 a.m. All right. And I'm sure that doesn't happen quite like it did back then. I'm sure you could go buy a lamb that's already been sacrificed. All right. But it, but they would sacrifice it at nine. Then they would put the lamb in the oven at 3 p.m. All right. So then they would take the lamb, they put them in the oven at 3 p.m. And, uh, and then uh, that would, that here, where's, give me my rain jacket. Come up here real quick, Carson. Come on. You're going to represent sin. All right. All right he does have a lot of tattoos. All right. I'm joking. Um, all right. So, and so what would happen? You go to the next slide, Shelby. Whenever that would happen, that sacrifice would cover the sins. All right, sit right there, big dog. Look. All right. It would cover the sins. If Carson sinned, that sacrifice would temporarily cover the sins of the people. Now, that probably stinks. I'm so sorry. Just bear with me. Can you breathe? I did. I did fish in this. Here. There. Okay. That sacrifice would cover their sins. All right, stay up here, okay? This is very, very important. All right, stay there. I'll be right back. So here's how Jesus came and he fulfilled this holiday. This, I'm about to blow some of your minds right here. This is, the Bible is so cool, 
All right? The Bible's so cool. Let's watch this. Next slide. Jesus was sacrificed. Read your Bible at 9 a.m. Okay? Then, on Good Friday, he sacrificed. He was put in the tomb at 3 p.m. that day. Y'all following me a little bit? This is crazy. Now, the next thing is this. Jesus doesn't cover your sins. This, he doesn't do this. Oh, I just touched your face. I'm so sorry. He doesn't just cover your sins. He removes your sins. So you can go sit back down over there. He removes it completely. So he fulfilled, now the, the law was good. The law was good. It, it helped cover the people's sins temporarily, but they had to do this every single year to make sure their sins were taken care of. But when Jesus died on the cross, it didn't just cover your sins, it removed your sins as if it never even happened in the first place. And you're thinking, how do you know that, Clint? Well, it's in your Bible. Look at 1 Corinthians. It says this. It says, for Christ, for Jesus, our Passover lamb, they're writing this to Jewish people. They would understand this. All of a sudden, that light bulb would go up and they go, whoa, you mean Jesus was like the thing that we did when I was a little kid growing up and what we do in my house? Now, yeah, he was the Passover lamb that had been sacrificed. Now listen, Jesus fulfills the law. He fulfills this holiday. So what does Passover mean for us? You can fill in the blank now. Check this out. Passover is salvation. Passover is salvation. This holiday, this Passover holiday, it represents in the New Testament the fact that you can be saved. You can be saved. But listen to me. I want everyone's eyes right here, okay? Everyone's eyes. I want, I want you to get this. This holiday... And this beautiful thing that God did for you stands on its own. Here's what I mean by that. All right, y'all listening to me. It stands on its own. Listen, God's got more for you. God has more that he wants you to experience. He has more that he actually wants you to do. But he doesn't just wrap it all up in this experience of salvation. Okay, so, so God, he gives this to you for free. Salvation, you don't need to do anything else for it and you can experience salvation. Uh, but there's things like reading your Bible. There's things like praying. There's things like serving, giving, sharing your faith that are part of the Christian experience. But this, and you can do those things. But one thing you can't do is you can't provide salvation for yourself. This is something that stands on its own. It's something that God, that Jesus has done for you. There's more to the Christian experience, but he doesn't throw it all into this because it's free. You get to receive the gift of salvation for free, and you don't have to do anything else. There's no strings attached. Today, you can give your life to Jesus for free, and you would never have to read your Bible. You don't have to look the part. You don't have to do the right things. No, you receive this for free, and there's nothing that you could do to earn it. In fact, it says this in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that it's by grace that you've been saved. It's through faith. It's not from yourself. You can't do it yourself. It's actually a gift from God. It's not by works. It's not by reading your Bible. It's not by praying. It's not by giving. It's not by serving. No, no, no. It's not all that because if you were able to do that and get to heaven, you'd have something to brag about, right? But he does all this. He gives it to you for free so that there's no way that you can boast about it. 
You can't get salvation on your own. It's provided to you by Jesus for free. Come on, somebody, give me an amen. I feel like I'm preaching a little better than what I'm hearing right now. Come on. And listen, it's the reason why that's so important. This one's free, but if you just have this, you can still miss out on your life on earth right now. Salvation is great. I'm not downplaying it at all. But there's more that God has for you. So let's move to the second holiday. And that is Pentecost. Y'all say Pentecost. Pentecost. Come on, you got two blanks on this one. So this happened 50 days after Passover. So this would be like our Easter, right? Like Passover is like our Easter. Um, And 50 days, so seven weeks after Easter, which would be two weeks from now, uh, would be when the Jewish people would celebrate Pentecost. So in two weeks we could celebrate, and we are doing, we're still in the series in two weeks. So uh, that's, that's Pentecostal Sunday. So here's what's interesting about the word. You leave that up there. Penta means five, and the actual word is costi. Uh, that actually means to the 10th power. All right. So here's the really scary part about this word that, that we all get freaked out by. Here's the, you want to know what the word means? It's kind of weird. 50. That's what the word means. That's it. It just means 50. It's 50 days after Passover, Pentecost. That's it. There's nothing crazy. No one's jumping down the aisle right now. No one's got a flag and a tambourine going crazy. No, no, no. It's just Pentecost, 50. That's all it means. It's 50 days after Passover. And uh, this holiday um, is, uh, I want to tell you what they're celebrating a little bit. It's kind of weird, and it's a little different for us if we don't understand, uh, if, we're, if we didn't grow up Jewish. All right, so the Jewish people would celebrate the original day uh, that they were given the, the law by Moses. So Moses leads them out of Israel. They cross over the Red Sea, and he goes up on Mount Sinai, and he meets with God. And it's met with, I mean, there's noises happening. There's a cloud and fire happening on top of that mountain. And That's where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And it's actually super crazy. It was a big ordeal. So they celebrate this day now. And uh, here's kind of what it was like back then. You go to the next slide. A cloud uh, on the day of Pentecost actually descended with a loud noise and fire onto Mount Sinai. All right, next thing is uh, God also wrote his law on tablets of stone. And so that's how we get the Ten Commandments. It was the original tablet. All right, the original iPad right there. Jesus wrote on it or God wrote on it the Ten Commandments and Moses brings it down. And then actually what you might know, not know about this day, this might shock you, is 3,000 people died on this day. Died. I mean, that is awful. Can you, and so why did that happen, Glenn? Well, here's what happened. Moses comes down from the mountain. He's been up there for a little while. He gets the law. I mean, this is what differentiates this group of people from the rest of the world. Moses comes down with it. He's literally been in the presence of God. And he was only up there for like just a little, not long, like a couple of weeks. I think, I don't remember exactly. It was like days. And so he comes back down and guess what the people of Israel have already done? They've put together all of their gold and all their jewelry, and they melt it down, and they make an idol. They make a calf, this this golden calf, this cow, and they were worshiping this cow. And because of that, 3,000 people died that day. And so God is like, hey, I want you to remember this day, and I want you to remember it by celebrating this holiday of Pentecost. And so now uh, they're celebrating this day of Pentecost, and check this out. The day of Pentecost comes in the New Testament. Jesus goes, he, he ascends back into heaven. Ten days later, here's what happens. The Holy Spirit actually descended with a loud sound 
and with fire. Not only that, God was able then to not write the law on stone, but he actually writes it on our hearts. And do you want to take a wild guess at how many people got saved that day instead of died? Come on, it's on the screen. 3,000 people got saved that day. It's this beautiful mirroring of what Jesus came to fulfill when he died, when he rose again, and when he ascended back into heaven. It's beautiful. Look at the scripture. It says this. After the suffering, which was the cross, he presented himself to them. So he was, he was appearing to people. He was popping through walls. We talked about that a second ago, right? And he gave them convincing proofs. These people saw Jesus get crucified. And he was like, look at my hands, dude. Real. I got scars. I got a scar on my side. Like, look at my feet. Like, I'm real. He gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. Hello. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. So there's the 40 days. You're like, well, where's the last 10 days? I'll show you. It's right here. Um, And he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. I want you to listen to this. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. All right, so their waiting was the extra 10 days. God was giving them a gift. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, in 10 days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why? Like, why are you doing this, Jesus? And I'll tell you why. Because you have to have power. There's some things that God wants you to do, and it's going to require power. It says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all right, in Hendersonville, in Sumner County, in Tennessee, in the southeast, in the nation and in the world. That's what he's telling them in our terms, right? Hey, you're going to get power, and that power is going to be the thing that helps you pull off what I have called you to do. Because here's what I know. God's called each of us to do something that we cannot do in our own strength. It's going to require the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen from somebody? Listen, we have to have it to be successful in our Christian walk. You cannot do it in your own strength. Don't even try. And so what does Pentecost mean? Pentecost is this, the power to make a difference. The power to make a difference. Because there's a job for us to do. And he needs to empower his church to do something that you're not going to be able to do in your own, on your own strength, in your own strength. We have to understand that. All right, so we got Passover, we got Pentecost. The third one is this, is tabernacles. Y'all say tabernacles. Tabernacles. There we go, tabernacles. Are y'all learning something today? Come on, I feel like, I mean, I I didn't know any of this before I started studying it. Um, uh, Tabernacles. Well, this one happens in the fall, okay? The other ones happen in the spring. This one happens in the fall, and it happens around harvest time. And this one also has a set of circumstances around it. In fact, uh, tabernacles is the feast or the, the holiday that they would use to celebrate and remember that God brought them through 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. And so if you don't know, after, after Moses gets them out of Egypt, they wander around the, the wilderness, the desert for 40 years before they have a home. And they actually would live in these little tents and God would have a little tent that he lived in. It was called a tabernacle for us. 
us, it would be like a tent. That's where we get tabernacles from. And uh, that word, it was portable, right? Like it wasn't supposed to be permanent. It was, it was temporary. And that was the whole idea. And uh, they were just wandering around in temporary homes until God brought them to the promised land. And so here's what we, here's what they, uh, tabernacles represented to them uh, back then. It was, they were wandering around and they were living in temporary huts. They were living in these things, right? They were kind of wandering around. Um, and then they were finally brought to their final home. They were brought across the Jordan River. They were brought to their final home. And then they celebrated this actually during the harvest season. And so you're asking, Clint, how is this being fulfilled right now? I will tell you. Here we go. We are living temporarily on this earth. This is not our home. This, is, this isn't permanent. We're just temporary. The Paul says that we're like aliens and strangers. We don't belong here. We're just kind of passing through, okay? Uh, the second thing is we will be brought to our final home in heaven one day. So one day you're going to cross over from here to heaven and you're going to have a permanent home in heaven if you're a believer in Jesus. And the Bible also tells us that this necessarily hasn't happened yet completely, but it's happening now, and I'll prove it to you in a second, that there will be a great and final harvest of people. And so in the last days, there's going to be a great and final harvest of people. Now, uh, this is an interesting fact. I want you to hear this. This is crazy. It's going to blow your mind. More people have been saved from the years 2000 to 2017 than the previous 2,000 years. We're living in a harvest time right now. And that's been, what are we, six years removed from that now? Is that right, math? Yes. Someone tell me. Yeah, yes. just nod your head. Okay, thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I've been doing math with our son this whole week. Uh, we're living in a harvest time right now. And it might not seem that way, but God's spirit is being poured out. Now, Clint, does that mean Jesus is coming back soon? I, maybe. I don't know. I'm not God. I don't want to try to predict that. We could be. Uh, and I'm not saying that to scare you. I want, hopefully, I want, I want to prepare you for that in, in your life. But uh, here's what I do know, is that regardless of if you believe it or not, Jesus is coming back again. Amen. He is. Amen. And it's going to, listen, it's going to be awesome. And the Bible says this in first set the. First Thessalonians, come on, I can talk, I promise. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet. Funny fact here is actually uh, the, the Jewish people call this feast the Feast of Trumpets. Here we go. You ready? Uh, it comes out with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, if you're not around church very much, this is one of the weirder things we believe. All right, this is what the Bible teaches. I'll just I'll level with you. When Jesus comes back, those who have uh, their, their spirits and souls, they're already with God, but their bodies are going to be resurrected, and they're going to meet God in the air. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. That has not happened yet, Amen. but it's being fulfilled right now. It's happening. We're in the process. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I do know that we're closer today than we were yesterday. Right? And so tabernacles, what does it represent? It represents the second coming of Christ. It's happening. It will happen. Don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, I'm not into that game. I'm not trying to, to predict it or anything. But it is going to happen one day. So there are three major holidays because there's three major things that you need to know 
as a Christian, as a Christ follower. Jesus did these things very specifically. He, he did things in his life that were his dying on the cross, coming back to life, sending the Holy Spirit around these holidays for a purpose, and it's for us to understand. All right, So we, it all begins with Passover. It begins with the cross. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus, man, you need to, and you don't need to wait. You don't need to do anything else to get it. You can just receive it for free today. That's what Passover tells us. But once, you, once you're saved, you have an assignment and you're going to need power, some extra power to fulfill that assignment. And that's where we get Pentecostal power. It, it, when you're going to experience God's spirit and the power it has for you so that you can complete the assignment and the mission that he's given you so that ultimately we can experience tabernacles when Jesus comes back and we spend eternity with him in heaven. Now, here's what I know. Most of us, you understand the cross, all right? You're cool with salvation. You're cool with that whole thing. And a lot of you are cool with heaven. Like, okay, heaven's real, whatever I believe in the afterlife and, and whatever. But what you struggle with is the part you're actually living in right now. And I don't want you to struggle with the way you're living your life right now. Because some of us might not be living with the power it takes to fulfill the mission that God's given us. And so he wants you to have power in three different areas of your life as we end today. And the first one is this, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. He empowers me to live righteously. Remember, Pentecost was all celebrated to give you the law, right? And, and to not just write it on stone, but to write it in your hearts. So it's not, the, 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 so the, what that means is that the word of God is not just in your Bible. It's in you. When, when, when you don't let the word of God get written inside of you, it feels like a chore, Oh, God, I, gotta read, I, I didn't read my Bible yesterday. Oh, I got to read my Bible. And it feels like a chore. Why? Because it's still written on stone. It's not written in your heart. Now, listen to me. This, this might be the only reason you came today. I want you to hear me. Reading your Bible is not about you getting into the Word. It's about the Word getting into you. So that's why it's important to stay consistent because when you're doing that, all of a sudden, this, these words of God are not just written on a piece of paper in a book. No, no, no. It becomes a part of who you are and it becomes a part of how you make decisions. You actually become it and it's, it goes from I have to do this to I want to do this. I, I want to live righteously. I want to make the right decisions. Why? Because then the words of God are no longer written on a piece of paper. They're actually written on your heart. And so your desires change. And, and one of the works of the Holy Spirit is he actually changes your desire. It says this in Romans chapter eight, you however are not in the realm of the flesh. You don't live by your sinful nature anymore, but you are in the realm of the spirit. You live by the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in in you, when we're filled with the Spirit, He begins to transform our lives, and you're not just obeying the Ten Commandments, you're becoming the Ten Commandments. It's, it's like those things are becoming a part of who you are. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to do these things. Why? Because it's not who I am anymore. I am a Christ follower, and God's Word, God's truth is written on me. It's written in me. In fact, Jesus says this, that the Holy Spirit would guide you into all truth. That's what, that's what, that's what God's word says. 
and I want to show it to you. Isaiah prophesied this. This is awesome. It says, Whatever, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. It's not a loud voice. It's right behind you. And there, listen to me. There might be something in your life that you, all logic is telling you, like, don't do that. Don't move there. Uh, don't. This happened to us so many times. Where, where it, on paper, does not make sense. But God is like, no, go, come on. Planning this church was one of those things. But you didn't even know what COVID was when we signed up for this, and we moved, and we just knew. God said, hey, move. You're going to move in February 2020. That's what I want you to do. And our, our pastor even asked, would you stay till Easter? And we were like, no, I just, we don't feel like that's what we need to do. And I just want to tell you, if we would have stayed till Easter, this church wouldn't be here right now because I would have never left because of what was around the corner I didn't know about. But there was a voice behind me saying, hey, no, 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 this is the way. Go. Come on, this, this is where you should go. This is the way. He wants to help you live. He wants to help you make decisions like that in your business, in your parenting, in your friendships, like in your life. Like, hey, come on. There's, there's a voice saying, and that's the Holy Spirit in you. Telling you, hey, live righteous. Don't do that. Come on, do this. This is who you are. Come on. There's a, there's a voice behind you telling you. The second thing, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live supernaturally. Supernaturally. Now you go ahead and live your natural life if that's what you want. I don't want that in my life. I want to live a supernatural life. Come on, I want to live a supernatural life. I don't want anything ordinary. Man, I've, I've, God's been, we're going to do a series on this. I don't know when we're going to do it. God does not want you to be normal. I want you, he doesn't want your kids to be normal. He doesn't want you to be normal. He doesn't want you to have a normal marriage. He doesn't, no, no, no. God has called you to live supernaturally. And that's different than the world. I want a supernatural marriage. I want a supernatural church. I want to be a supernatural dad. Like, that's, I, that's what I want. And the Holy Spirit empowers you to live that way. Supernaturally. Something that just doesn't even make sense. Now, we would all believe. Come on, would you agree that Jesus did some supernatural things while he was on earth? Come on, let me see your hand. If you think that, let me see your hand. Crazy. Let me tell you what Jesus said. This isn't in your notes. He said, when I leave, you're going to do greater things than what I did. And I don't know about you, but I still believe that he is the healer. He is the restorer. He is the provider. He can do miracles. And they still happen today. Guess how they happen? Through his people and through the power of the Holy Spirit living, uh, working supernaturally through people. That's how it happens. And so when you live with the Holy Spirit, you're empowered to live a supernatural life. That means we can pray for anything, and it's not our power, but God's power working in and through us. And so when you need provision, let's pray. Why? Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit coursing through our veins. You need healing, let's pray. The power of the Holy Spirit is coursing through your veins. I want to live supernaturally. I, 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 I want you to live supernaturally. And I feel that way because I don't want you to come here, by the way, just to experience that our church is just good at what we do. 
Uh, we just don't put on great services here. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Now, I'm not good with words like Paul was. But listen, my preaching is not about making you laugh and telling dumb light bulb jokes. And that's not what it's about, okay? That's not what it's about. But my preaching should be a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that our faith doesn't rest on good light bulb jokes and making you laugh. No, no, no. It's actually based on God's Spirit and God's power. I, I don't want people to come for the jokes. I want people to come to experience God's power in their life so that they can live a supernatural life. Listen to me. Your marriage can be healed. You can be a great mom and a great dad. Your kids can love God. You can lead a godly home. You can make better decisions. You can quit that addiction. That relationship can be restored. Invite the Holy Spirit in. Let them let live in you and watch yourself have a supernatural life. And the last thing is this. Holy Spirit empowers me to live on mission. On mission. And I want y'all to hear me. I want you to hear my heart, okay? If you are looking for a church to just have your issues and your needs met, and that's the only thing that you want from this church, you have picked the wrong church, okay? And that sounds aggressive, that sounds harsh, but I want you to hear my heart. I'm here for your issues. I'm here to help you. We want to empower, empower you to, to, to get the help you need, all that stuff, okay? But that's not why we exist. I, I want to be really clear. This church is not only for your issues. Listen, we are called by God to go on mission with him and to serve the people of this county, of this town, of your neighborhoods, and of your family. That's what we're here to do. That's why I'm so happy. Yesterday, man, we teamed up with Feed Sumner, did Give a Meal, and we were actually living this out on mission. That shows this church is not about us. This church can't be about us. This church is about the people that aren't even here yet. They're about your neighbors. They're about your family. They're about your neighborhoods. They're about this city. Man, we need to be a church that lives on mission. And that's what the Holy Spirit allows us to do. We don't exist for us. We exist for the world to experience the power of God. That's why we're here. And that's what we're going to do. That's what we're always... And guess what? God is asking us to do something, by the way, when we live on mission that we don't have the power to do in our own strength. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. I, we can't reach Sumner County on our own. I can't... Listen, you know what I do to churches when I'm doing it in my own strength? I shrink them to about 15 people. That's what I do. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, man, this thing, this church can help meet the needs of the people out there and people can start to see that, man, there's something special going on there and it has nothing to do with the pastor. It has nothing to do with the people. It has everything to do with the power of God. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody? That's what we're here to do. Our gospel, listen, 1 Thessalonians uh, came to you not simply with words, but with power. With the Holy Spirit in deep conviction, 
You know how we lived among you for your sake. It comes by, we get to reach the people by power brought by the Holy Spirit. And it's honestly a pet peeve of mine that people think that might have a good relationship with the Holy Spirit, they kind of hold it over people's heads and they're like, well, I have the Holy Spirit and you don't have it. And you think you're better than someone else because of your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And there's, there's been a lot of that in the church. And I just want, there's none of that in this teaching, by the way. Because here's what I know. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. Being filled with the Holy, it doesn't make me better than you. It makes Clint better than Clint. Why? Because I have this power of God in me. And I don't have to be the same old Clint. I can be better. Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit in my life. And so I want you to come back the next two weeks and we're going to teach you how to live with the Holy Spirit. How to get that power. How to have that transformation happen in your heart. Oh, it's going to be so good. Please don't miss the next two weeks. Please. God has something for you. And he wants to give it to you today. But some of you, you're here and you thought you came just to check out a new church or you came to, to come back to church. But what you need to do is you need to give your life to Jesus today. I, I believe that. You need to receive the free gift of salvation that we talked about. It's free. You don't have to do anything for it. He gave his life for you and you give your life to him. That's how it works. And some of you, you need to do that today. Some of you, you were saved, but you're feeling heavy right now. I, I, listen, I want y'all to listen to me. You're feeling heavy right now. You're walking around with a lot, and you can feel the weight of your shame on you right now. Uh, you can, your, your chest is tight. You've been thinking about the mistakes you made or how broken you are. And I just want to tell you, if you're carrying it, if you feel that weight, that means God isn't. God wants so desperately to take that from you. And you need to give it to God today and let Jesus take that from you. Uh, some of you, you need to be saved. Some of you need to rededicate your life to God today. And some of you, you don't even know. But I want to give you the opportunity to respond today. All right, y'all bow your heads and you close your eyes with me. And if you're in here and you need to make that decision to, to follow Jesus or to rededicate your life today to the Lord. I just want you in the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on. I need to receive that gift of salvation. I'm the only one looking around. There we go. Come on. Raise your hand. Don't be shy. All right, you can put it down. And if you raise your hand today, I want to just lead you in a time of prayer. There's not magical words in this prayer, okay? Uh, it's just a way to articulate kind of what's going on in your heart. And you can say this. Just say it in your heart. Say, dear God, I give my life to you. I know that I've messed up. And I thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you for saving me. I invite you into my life. And I make you the Lord of my life. And in the best way I know how, I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, y'all give God a hand in this place. People stepping from death to life. I love it.